Alrighty, welcome to episode 20 of the Buddy Book Club podcast. I'm Dylan, here with the hatchet to my Brian, Keith. What's up, buddy? Hey, how we doing? I'm doing great, thanks for asking. Uh, we're breaking down some bestsellers, and this week we'll be discussing my favorite book from 6th grade, Hatchet, by Gary Paulson, if you didn't get that from the intro. If you'd like to recommend a book for us to read, or reach out to us about our previous 19 episodes, you can visit our website, buddybookclub.com. Slide into our DMs on Twitter or Instagram, Buddy Book Club Podcast. You can listen to us on iTunes and Spotify, so please, it's the holidays. Download and subscribe. That's a gift for us. We appreciate it. So thank you if you do. A Hatchet is a story of survival. We're talking about Brian Robeson, a 13-year-old boy on the way to visit his dad in the oil fields of Canada. I think like northern Canada. And he crash lands in the Canadian wilderness and has to overcome insurmountable odds to survive. Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Normally, we would have a libation from the book, but as we've had with other child books we've read, although Sploosh, I'm thinking Holes, our first episode, there was Sploosh, which was like fermented peach juice that those kids got drunk on. And then The Body, which like those kids were like, sneaking nips and stuff all the time those are some wild childs but uh, normally in the kids books there's not something to drink alcoholically speaking and it's similarly in hatchet there's actually nothing to drink except water might have been getting boozed up you know might have have led to his heart attack i'm pretty sure the pilot had a long life of alcoholism pour one out for him so no influences from the book which is probably good considering sharp objects had a thousand influences so we're on the other side of the spectrum but I'm in Michigan, so I'm going to enjoy a nice two-hearted ale from Bell's Brewery out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Keith, what do you have? I got a raspberry truly. (laughs) Beautiful. Which is actually when Brian finds his survival kit, I think he finds like a fruit punch packet or something like that. Yeah, same thing. So it's pretty much fruit punch packet with a couple of those fermented berries that he found. You mix those two things together, wham, bam, you got a raspberry truly. And he was truly appreciative of finding those things. And I'll see my way up. (laughs) Before we get into our categories, I have a quick question for you. Are you smarter than Brian Robeson? Not even close. (laughs) I also wanted to get this off my chest just to give you a little background. But I'm pretty sure everyone read this growing up. Yeah. I thought it was just like a fourth or third grade book. I thought it was before sixth grade. You know what? Maybe it was in between fourth and sixth grade, let's say. I didn't read this book because I was a special, special young man oh. uh, when I was set aside. Your needs were extremely special. I was being taught what a noun was still and an adjective. I still don't know what those things are. So I might have some hate in my heart around this book and just everyone that read it when I didn't. Just to let you know, there's some lingering animosity from the, the days oh, of no. when Keith you know, wasn't reading too well. I still can't read. I listen to audiobooks, but nonetheless, still pissed. Still pissed off about that. So just a, just a heads up. <laughs> As we get back to Hatchet, were you surprised at how intelligent Brian was? Because I wasn't just pointing at you when I said, are you smarter? Like, I'm definitely not smarter than Brian. Yeah, he had a pretty strong memory and recall of things. And and one of my stock ups I'll get to, I'll save for later, but surrounds us is that he just was able to recall everything from, oh, I watched that TV show once. It's like, wait, what? The thing that blew me away was right when he's flying after the pilot just shits his pants and then dies. was his knowledge of basic flight he was like oh okay that's the elevators and uh so lift plus drag divided by square root of pi it's like wait (laughs) what like 
I didn't I didn't know this stuff. I wasn't even close to it. Like I was like planes have wings. That's that was what I got. I don't know anything about flying. I know nothing. Although there's the altimeter and then uh, the <laughs> velocity controls are here. I'm like, wait, what? You know what altimeter means? That's above probably 99% of the population. So what are you talking about? Yeah, he's walking through the woods once he crash lands and he's pretty much, oh, okay, this is a red oak. That's a white oak. This is a spruce. I'm like, ah, what? I go on walks with the dog and I'm walking around being like, tree, 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 <laughs> tree. <laughs> Let's jump into a uh, favorite scene. What do you have for a favorite scene from Hatchet? First off, I hate flying. The first 15 or 20 minutes of the book here were a little bit frightening. However, it did remind me of, have you seen Parks and Recreations? I've seen some. There's a scene where one of the characters has a fart attack, which is a heart attack, <laughs> but he, he does the exact same thing. But they somehow make it hilarious. So worth a watch. Uh, there's a quick YouTube video of it. It's, it's pretty funny. Aziz comes in and starts like, making all these jokes about the farting before he realizes he's having a heart attack. <sighs> I think the favorite just in general was him figuring out how to start the fire. I was in the same shoes as him, like, what would I do here? And then once he saw the spark from the hatchet, I was kind of like struggling with him because terrible at nature, I'm terrible at this type of shit. And I probably would be dead way before him, well before him. Oh, yeah. It was interesting how they wound in like dream sequences in this book because I totally forgot about that. That night after the hatchet thing, his dad's like, fire, like his fire here. So what does a dream mean? And I was like, dude, I have crazy dreams. I don't know what any of them mean. You know, I hate dreams and books and shows. We've been over this many a time. So I was trying to get pissed when he, they started doing that. But at least it like paid off a little bit. There was some reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's his subconscious coming out. Like, you know, he knew something that was obvious, but it didn't seem obvious to the waking mind once you kind of tune out all the panic and everything else and you're able to sleep that comes to the forefront i'm not a huge believer that like if you're losing a tooth that means you have money problems or whatever the silly things are that people say in dreams but i do believe that when you're dreaming you kind of have a clearer mind sometimes but a question for you you talked about how much you hate flying have you ever flown in a small plane like the one he was flying in no, so my roommate's a pilot and has a private plane that you can fly. What? Yeah, he, so he can just be like, hey, you want to go to Vegas? And he can just get in and fly there. But it's a small plane, and he takes people up all the time to joyride. I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> What's fun about that? <laughs> so my stepfather's brother has a plane like this, and they kind of surprised me. And we're like, hey, we're going flying when I was in Winnipesaukee. And it was one of those things where... I didn't know where we were going and we showed up at an airfield and I was like, oh, awesome. This is my nightmare. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you said we're going flying? What'd you assume? Well, no, I didn't know beforehand. I'm it was like, oh, we're going to go, blue? we're going to go on an adventure with uncle Brian. I was like, okay, cool. And, and I wasn't a child. I was an adult and I was shitting my pants. Like I was probably 24 and it turned out to be amazing. But it was crazy just how, like, small the cockpit is and how loud it is. The prop planes are so loud. Like, you need yeah. headsets just to communicate. But he kind of did the same thing that this pilot did where he just let go of the controls at one point and was just like, yeah, you know, feel the rudder out with your feet. And I was blown away. But uh, as long as you're high enough, those things are pretty safe. So I think you should go, you know, bring a puke bag with you. But I think you should go with your roommate. My favorite scene, I think, was waking up after the crash landing, and naturally, as any human would do, you know, Brian starts to panic and just be like, "I'm gonna die out here. That's what's gonna happen. I couldn't, I can't survive a day." But then he takes stock, and I thought that was really interesting how he like calmed his mind down and then took stock 
of the things he had. It was really, which is, I'm going to transition this into our stock up, stock down, because my first stock up is having a great teacher. I, I think that especially when this, when I read this book as a kid and now looking back at it, I have fond memories of a few teachers I had at that age and his, Mr. Perpich, Brian, his being Brian's, he seemed like a great influence on him. And you forget about all those, you know, mm-hmm. underpaid elementary school teachers pretty much saved Brian's life. He told him, you're your most valuable asset. Don't forget that. And stay positive, stay motivated. And so when Brian started refocusing his mind on that and not on the panic stuff, he started focusing on survival and he emptied his pockets and he found his hatchet, which is obviously what the book's named after. I just love any of those survival situations or it's almost like the James Bond Q situation where they're taking inventory. You know, what do I have on me? And he goes through everything. But then once he had everything laid out on the ground, it was like, oh, I forgot one thing. I have me and I'm my best asset. So I was like, oh, yeah, let's go, Brian. You got this. You got this. Like it's when you started really rooting for him, I feel like. Before that, it was like, my parents are getting divorced. <laughs> What'd you have for stock up? Stock up reading books. Go on. So obviously with the Buddy Book Club, we're a big proponent of this. We love reading books. Yeah, Brian's like, yeah, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. And then to your point earlier... He just starts name dropping like, oh, yeah. And so there's the altimeter. Here's this certain tree, this berry. I know the place from this one time I watched this TV show. He's just like pulling out things left and right. I'm like, holy shit. I didn't know any of this stuff when I was younger. Also, just knowing the best practices in a crash landing of like, oh, yeah. Then I obviously want to tip up the like yeah, angle. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure I find a clearing. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, What is going on? But the one thing I will say, though. Is that he knows all the, the like the best practices of flying, but doesn't know where the gas gauge is, which is in every car, but also in planes. That seems like that'd be important to be looking for, or the compass. Like, how about turning the plane back south so you can get communication or, or on, like where civilization is? Yeah, seems like those two things would be more important than fucking knowing crash landings and altimeters. What are you doing, Brian? Well, I think he did say at one point, like this is the compass, and. I'll and, completely ignore this. And, and he just pointed it to out of fucking nowhere and just aimed right there and just kept going. Like you said, with stock up being books, you also then referenced something else, which is my next stock up television, the glorious mm, yep. tube. And this book was written in 86, I think. So pre internet age or pre internet as we know it, obviously. So TV was where we learned so much. And. Stock up to TVs because everything at this point is, oh, Brian didn't know where he had heard that. Oh, wait, it was on TV. He learned not to drink lake water via movie. He watched a show on Air Force pilot survival training, which I don't know where, like what channel that's on, but yeah, sign me up. I want to watch that. (laughs) That sounds awesome. (laughs) But talk about a great asset. You crash land in the middle of nowhere and it's like, I did watch that hour-long PBS documentary on how Air Force pilots survive in the wild. So this is a good callback. But without TV, he had no ability to survive. I mean, he does talk about books and whatnot, and obviously Mr. Perpich. But TV, I know the stock is potentially going down with all the subscription services, but I'm buying basic cable, PBS. Donate, people. Donate to your local... PBS. 
Yeah, I was gonna say they didn't have Discovery Channel or History Channel back in the day, so I don't know what what he was watching. PBS for sure. PBS was fire back in the day. It was so good. I mean, I'm sure it still is now, but there's so many channels that and YouTube and stuff like that yeah. you can fill it in. But PBS would be like basically an episode of Planet Earth switched with then an episode of the universe and then popular mechanics type stuff. It was just great. PBS was great. We could have just basically got a, a better education by sitting home and watching TV is what you're saying? I tried to tell that to my mom when I was a kid. You know, I was like, <laughs> I, was like, I really tr- trust argument. me, I don't need to go to school. You could just put me in front of the TV. I'll do PBS shows all day. It's perfect. Have you seen those memes that are like, it's just a dude like taking a selfie being like, still another day of not using tan sign and uh, coast, you know, those math things, blessed or something like that. Have you seen that before? <laughs> no, but checks out. You learn for like a month and then you never, ever remember it ever again. It's like, why am I taking pre-calculus? Although my brother's, he's in college and that's what he's doing now in college. And I ask him over and over again, I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Because this is the stuff that we joked about that people don't like to do and then there's also a tinge of jealousy that like he's like yeah i actually enjoy it i'm like shut the fuck up nobody enjoys this like what i always bragged that i'm literally was the best pre-algebra person of all time (laughs) but after that it doesn't count that was the height and i fucking dominated pre-algebra linear equations those are my jam yeah (laughs) i'm still waiting to go on a date and a girl's just like slips me a note of paper and she's like solve for x and i'm like oh (laughs) baby you want me to solve for x i'll solve this for you real quickly oh only two sets of parentheses come on i'm in on this (laughs) what else do you have for stock up food stock up oh food Uh, food appreciation i understand why you probably really really like this book is because it it does give you a a much better sense for how lucky we are and how you know fortunate we are that every day isn't consumed with surviving and trying to find food which is are all animals and then the vast majority of humans up to until the last 100 years probably right is just everyone's every single day you wake up and it's like all right i gotta i gotta survive that's all your, your day was consumed by where now that isn't even a consideration ever really so it does give you a really good appreciation of that and and just overall you know some of the stuff he was eating i was like Man, this burger's going to taste way better. <laughs> so, yeah, food, stock up. Yeah, okay, well, I, I want to carry on to this because love the stock up. Obviously, you know, I'm a big food guy. At one point, he talks about go to a grocery store, just like walk the aisles and be like mm-hmm. odd at all the things he can buy. And I think so many people hate going to the grocery store, and I understand that. It's sometimes clusterfuck, and you're kind of just trying to get stuff on your list and just call it a day. But I love walking the aisles and be like wow like this is this is wild that we can get this how the fuck do you get xanthan gum you know what i mean but i use it in baking or whatever the case is or i use it to thicken sauces and it's just crazy that you can get all of this stuff and so i totally understand where he's coming from there and also in terms of peek behind the curtain as i was listening to the last part of this book because i did listen to the audiobook which i'm very thankful for and we'll get to that later but i was preparing some pork chops for dinner tonight and I was like, holy smokes, like, how lucky am I? It, it did give me a moment where I was just thinking, how lucky am I that I got these beautiful bone-in pork chops from a local butcher for cheap, you know? In the grand scheme of things, they were five ninety nine a pound. And they're already prepared for you. Everything's ready to go, you know? You just got to add a little salt from who knows where and some pepper from fucking Sri Lanka, and <laughs> it's going to be delicious. We're just so fortunate to have that, and it being the holidays... And this book, I just feel like was just so well-timed for us in terms of it being the end of the year, 
us running through, you know, 20 podcasts this year. And on top of that, just being with family and being thankful, it just, it made me thankful for all that stuff. And I, and I really did appreciate it, but no more sappy shit here. Listen to this. You mentioned the burger. Brian talks about his first hunger pains. He wanted a cheeseburger, which I appreciate. There's no such thing as a hamburger. There's only a cheeseburger. He wanted a cheeseburger with tomatoes, double fries, with ketchup, and I very much appreciate that Gary Paulson put ketchup in there because if you don't enjoy ketchup, you can get the fuck out. And specifically Heinz, because if you're a Hunts person, no, there's just zero. A, the label shit. B, it's too vinegary. It's it's just tomato paste with vinegar. It makes absolutely no sense. There's a reason why Heinz has their own field. There's a reason why this family is so wealthy they have their own field because they make the best ketchup. So please, people, if you're not a Heinz person, convert yourself because that is the ketchup. Then there's the like highfalutin Sir Kensington's, which, oh, this has organic tomatoes and it has this organic garlic compo to No, no, don't overcomplicate something. It's fucking ketchup. There's no reason to get fancy with it. Keep it simple, stupid. Simple as that. Heinz ketchup all the way. This podcast is sponsored by Hunt. No, Heinz, 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 <laughs> God damn it. No, Hunt calls us. They're like, hey, we were going to sponsor, but you guys just went full on. I-, I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that. Brian added the shake along with the fries and the catsup. I was wondering what would be your got out of the wilderness after surviving for 58 days. So it's like the same question as like the last meal on death row. Kind of. But in this situation, you're still going to be able to eat and you didn't murder four children. <laughs> is that what you're on death row for well, i don't know but that's what people are <laughs> mine would be like revolting like starting a revolution oh really yours is, yours is killing children <laughs> yeah first meal after that's a great question what would yours be? i really think mine would be similar although i'd want like i think like a five guys like almost fully loaded burger situation and i'd want some extra crispy fries like super well done i'd want an entire glass bottle of heinz ketchup the entire bottle and that's going on the burger on the fries it's going everywhere i'm just going to drink it for sure and then i'd want a brigham's extra thick black and white milkshake that's that's what i would go for you're a milkshake person i love a good milkshake i'd probably go uh a strong pepperoni pizza Mm. i feel like one your stomach wouldn't really be able to handle that much meat or food right away and but like you can eat that you eat that pizza that first bite it's just gonna be phenomenal. You just can't go wrong with pizza. Yeah, some you hot really pie. Can't. What are you What are you washing it down with? Fountain Coca Cola. There's something that hits differently with that, and you just sit on the couch to watch football. Red Zone's on, obviously, <laughs> so we're good. You know. Well, I'm, I'm glad we went there because now I know what to get you when you're on death row for starting a revolution. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> out of here with that! <laughs> I'm gonna start a revolution. <laughs> Next reading, we're gonna do the St. James Bible by Keith and see if you can start a revolution. <laughs> well. With that in mind, I have a I have a stock up. Okay, go on. That's very apropos to that. God's wrath, stock up. What? <laughs> so listen, I'm not a big camper, but if just one of the many things happened to, to me or to anyone that's ever been camping, that happened to Brian, you're not camping anymore. You're just not. You're, you would just be like, that was the worst experience I ever had. So a porcupine goes in. Well, first of all, he crashes a plane. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's kind of, that part would kind of suck, right? Then he like builds a place. A porcupine just walks in, shoots spines, uh, like his like spine things or pines or whatever the fuck they're called. Adam quills for no reason. Quills. They're called quills. yeah quills. Oh, whatever. Quills at him for no reason. 
a skunk comes up and just fucking shits right in his eye. <laughs> just fucking sprays directly into his eye. It's not poop, but okay. A fucking moose, Terry Tate's the shit out of him. <laughs> Does Terry just, Tate off his linebacker him? That's a yeah, great call. Just, just fucking charges at him for no reason. And then a fucking tornado casually comes through where he's at. Like, what are the chances of that? And the only rational explanation, kid, the only rational explanation is this is God's wrath. The whole animal kingdom was upset with him. And God was upset with him for his mother committing adultery. (laughs) (laughs) Old Testament, good. Retribution on her son. That's it. Stock up. That is some biblical shit. I'm surprised it was like frogs didn't start raining down in the sky or some shit. Swarms of locusts. Well, he did have famine. There was famine. So he technically, well, actually he, he did pretty well, but that's, that's another one. And then killing the firstborn, but that's what they tried to do. It just wasn't successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Brian beat God. That's what like that's what the name of this maybe, thing is. Maybe Brian's the devil. I should have rewrote my sixth grade story on hatching. I just been like Brian <laughs> fucked God in the arse. <laughs> that's a hot take, and I like it. Wow. I'm glad you brought up the King James Bible right before that. <laughs> that's the best part. Look, good transition. But I'm going to defend the animals here. The porcupine was just looking for some warmth and it found a creature in a den. Who knows? That might have been the porcupine's home that Brian had stolen from him, you know? And the porcupine was pissed. And also, it just like swatted him with his tail. It, it only got eight quills or like six quills in him. Like he, he could have been way worse. Could have been way, way only worse. Only six quills? Must yeah. be nice. Wow. And the skunk was just trying to find some food that Brian had hid poorly, very poorly. And. The skunk was just trying to eat, and then Brian goes over there and goes, oh, let me sniff this skunk's butt, even though he knew it was a skunk. <laughs> and the skunk sprayed him. It didn't shit on him. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It does come from a similar place. And then the moose was just being a moose. Although, the, no, actually, you know what? I take that back. The moose was a total <laughs> the dick. Moose an the asshole. moose was a total dick. The moose was like, I'm going to fuck you up no matter what. It didn't have like... You know, the bear, the bear was chill. The bear was like, don't get between me and my babies. And it was like, no big deal. Yeah, the, and the wolves the, were chill. The wolves were super chill. The two animals that are carnivores that you think would be the most threatening were the nicest. The the ones that are like, oh yeah, that's just a cute old... Uh, woodland critter. It's just a woodland critter. Just trying to fuck him completely. <laughs> yeah, and the skunk did steal his eggs. So yeah, and he he made sure to mention that it like licked every last bit of those eggs empty. So yeah, that, that skunk was kind of a shit. But my last stock up is the best present. Presents are obviously awesome, and it is the holidays. So whatever your traditions are this time of year, usually they involve some sort of presents. And I feel like Brian got the best present in the world, although he worked for it was getting that survival kit. I mean, he's pulling through that stuff. It's like, holy smokes, he's got like seasoning. You know, I couldn't imagine living without seasoning. Just bland eggs and bland grouse. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got salt and pepper. So he got his best present. And considering considering it is the holidays, I have a question for you, which is what's the best present you ever got? Mm, when I was probably like six or seven, I got this red fire truck that had like okay. that had a controller oh it was a fucking massive red truck at the time it was sick i mean it's probably tiny but it was huge to me and it just like played sirens and it just fucking you could drive that thing around everywhere it was, it was awesome but yeah what about you <laughs> uh, mine was without question fourth grade n64 it just came out and no one could get it. Like, you just couldn't get it. And my family was very much anti 
TV, anti-entertainment. So you had to read a book or, I don't know, sit on a pine cone. Like, there was nothing to do. So I, like, begged my mom for an N64. And it was also one of those ones where I knew I wasn't going to get it because, one, she wasn't into that kind of stuff. B, she couldn't actually, like, obtain an N64 no matter what. But she somehow managed to, like, work with our friends grandparents and like get one out of utah and have them ship it and christmas eve night because we used to go to midnight mass good christian boy she let me open up a present and it was the n64 and i almost pooped my pants i was blown (laughs) away like n64 with mario 64 i was like holy smokes i can't believe i have to go to church right now because i just want to sit in front of the tv and spend hours doing this and it just created not only endless friendships through friends, like shitting on each other, playing Goldeneye when you're in fourth grade, Mm -hmm. but God, I still have it. Literally still have that N64. We still play it. Even when we get together, we still have to play N64. That is 100% the right answer. You had the right answer. (laughs) My parents didn't let me play video games or watch TV, which I should have brought up when you were talking about the TV stuff. I'd probably be a genius now if my parents (laughs) let me watch TV when I was growing up. Yeah. Imagine if they just put closed captioning on and made you read. You could have actually learned how to read. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a really good point. But honestly, getting N64, which... It wasn't like Dreamcast or one of these other systems that like just fizzled out. That's like getting you the 100 stocks of Microsoft before it IPO'd. Let's jump into stock down. What did you have for stock down? Stock down, TSA. Okay. We're not talking about Brian or naming this book Hatchet if TSA were in the picture. Mm. I know this is written in the 80s. We're talking about Brian Dies. That's the name of the book, you know, because ultimately, for some reason, he, he gets a hatchet as the gift and he just wears it on his belt, which... Is a complete psychopath move, by the way. I don't know how that was just kind of brushed over. Why wouldn't you just put it in your like luggage or something? Like, no. He's like, yeah, yeah. So I just attach it to my belt. Oh, this dude just has a tomahawk That's going awesome. through security. It's like Mel Gibson in The Patriot. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking amazing. By the way, is a tomahawk and uh, hatchet the same thing? No, a hatchet is more of a utility tool. So a hatchet is used for like chopping wood or doing those kind of things. A tomahawk is made for killing engines. Okay, because tomahawk's been a way better name for a book. Oh, yeah. I agree Tomahawk. with you. Tomahawk. Tomahawk. <laughs> that would way better. Hatchet's kind of soft. But uh, yeah. anyways, he's not getting through a security checkpoint. Stock down for TSA. Okay. I got you. My follow-up to our present stock up is consumerism slash materialism for stock down. Because even when he gets the survival kit, his like, mind's kind of blown because he managed to handle the last 50 days without any of this stuff. I, like I went to Walmart the other day to print out some pictures for my mom because I'm a good person. And <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I just so many people there buying absolute junk. And I get it. I'm one of those people too. I'm not necessarily talking down on them. I'm just saying, wow, like the society we've created is just, you just buy fucking junk and you give it to other people and they say, oh, thank you. And then they throw it away. So Really, at the end of the day, you only need a few things. You need yourself, you need the people you love, and you need a hatchet. Like, that's about it. And an N64. Oh, and it's, well, duh. okay. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> that's N64 bad. with a complete catalog of games. That's, you know, and, and, four, and four controllers and high catch catch up. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. All right. I think we've covered it. I'm yeah, stopping there. Good. Uh, what else do you ever stock down? last one this kind of already ties into god's wrath and maybe just god hates canada but stock down canada Mm, i'm in for this apparently in canada animals are just all assholes i mean (laughs) 
Apparently, the mosquito bug problem is worse than any rainforest that I've ever even heard of. I, what's going on with the, the bugs there? I was like, wait, what? I thought I was like, oh, maybe they're not in Canada. Maybe I'm just like an idiot. And then this is in the summer. This is the best time in Canada. This is literally the only time Canada is nice. That at the end of the book, he mentions too, he's like, yeah, I don't know if you'd be able to survive the fall or winter. Like, oh, you think? In the winter, it's like below like third, like zero, like half the winter, isn't it? And then he has no jackets. He doesn't have any long sleeves. Yeah, I don't think he's surviving unless no. he's killing a bear and wearing the fur or something. Like, what are we talking about here? So Canada stock down big time. It's funny down. you say that because my next stock down was mosquitoes in general. And yeah, I know. I, I know. Mosquitoes are petty stock. Big mosquito has no mm-hmm. pole in Washington. I, I understand that. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the mosquito lobby is not strong. And I under, I totally understand this. So, so I, I know I'm buying low on this stock, but it's going to zero. This stock is going to zero. So I'm shorting mosquitoes. I don't want to reiterate how much mosquitoes suck. Everyone knows this. You know, they single-handedly ruin the outdoors. I like to watch, we've talked about this in past episodes, I like to watch those Alaska shows, you know, where it shows people kind of homesteading in Alaska and doing their thing. And I love all that stuff. But in Alaska, you really have three months when it's nice. The rest of the year, it's total shit. You know, it's mm-hmm. negative degrees. And in these three months, some, you know, people are like, all right, we got to strike while the iron's hot or whatever the phrase is. And so they go out and harvest wood and go hunting. And you see these videos, of these people out in Alaska, and there are legitimately swar- swarms of mosquitoes around these people's faces. And I think they're just used to it from being out there for so many years. But I'd be like, I'm out. I am totally out. <laughs> if I fall asleep in a bedroom with one mosquito in it, I'm getting 20 bug bites. It's just happening. It ruins your night. You're not going to sleep yeah, either. It's, you just, hear it's zzz, the worst. All over your head. They just ruin everything that's good about the outdoors. You're sitting there, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, And now... It's like I can't survive unless I start a fire, put it out, roll in the soot. There's an entire industry around bug spray, which is really just Mm -hmm. mosquito spray, which I'm pissed that they don't just call it that because it really is just mosquito spray. Yeah. Mosquitoes are the worst. Simple as that. And we don't need them. That's the most crazy part because everyone's like, oh, they're God's creatures. Like they're part of the life cycle. No, that's bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. There's a company in Brazil trying to like infertilize or whatever they're aborting mosquitoes left and right Mm. it's a it's a planned mosquito hood just aborting mosquitoes left and right and it's been successful because also mosquitoes spread malaria kill more people than anything else horrible get them out of here we don't need it mosquitoes out i'm out i'm selling the stock stock down for me pilots do we really need them question yeah that's a 13 year old (laughs) lands a plane fairly easily no runway no co-pilot, no advanced technology. It's literally just dials and readings, and he doesn't even know half of them and manages to land a plane very easily. My stepfather was a – he's retired now, but he was a 747 pilot. And I was like, wow, this guy's you know pretty badass. You know, He's in charge of 550 souls, and he manages to pull this giant thing up and down. I was like, now I'm like, what a puss. Like he makes it seem like such a big deal. It's like just fucking land the plane. A 13-year-old can do it, you know? You got, Like you said, you got the altimeter. You point the nose down. When you go to land, you point the nose up. You put the wheels down, you win. It's simple. Yeah, watch a PBS one time. Yeah. I, mean, so I, I don't think we need pilots. Do. I'm selling my stock yeah. on pilots. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, you didn't have any other stock down. So my last one, uh, porcupine attacks. So I actually believe this is in a pure stock up, stock down. Because when I was a kid, I thought porcupines just 
like attacks just happened. Like I thought there was some like quick like quicksand or something like that because they were always in the cartoons. I just always assumed that at some point in my life I'm going to come in contact with a porcupine and I just need to not get stung by it. Between like this book and like Homeward Bound stuff like that, it just seemed like I was going to see a porcupine and it was going to try to strike me. But I've never seen a porcupine. I've never been close to a porcupine. And then you see like Reddit videos of people that have porcupines as pets. They're like, oh yeah, just pet their head. It's fine. So porcupine attacks, I'm selling the stock because I actually, I don't even know anyone that's got stung by a porcupine. So there you go. I'm out. See ya. Do we even have a pick your character here? Because it's really just Brian. Not really. Yeah, okay. Well, we can be sure that it's not the moose. I mean, that thing hit, hit a 13-year-old <laughs> twice and couldn't even crack a rib. Yeah, the moose, come on, buddy. The moose was not only aggressive, but it was soft. You know, it was like Terry Tating people, but it didn't actually hurt anyone. So it's definitely not the moose. And if I had to pick, maybe like we talked about the timber wolf, it just seemed like a majestic creature. And they mentioned that they don't even hurt people. So timber wolves, Kevin Garnett, thank you. I was thinking the dude in the uh, the minivan or the what was it the car? He's like gorgeous blonde dude. That's making out with my mom. I want to know about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if we're talking about people, it definitely couldn't be the pilot, considering he literally shit himself and died. So, <laughs> what'd you love about Hatchet? I did like this kid's perseverance and survival skills. Baby, we're on the same page. I feel like. A lot of YA books. I don't know if this is a YA or this is a, a, just a young person book. I've talked about my gripes with a lot of YA books, but like the main character is forced with some you know situation that is a tough situation. They're forced into it. They don't want to be in it, and then all they do throughout the book is wallow in self pity and whine and like Hunger Games. Yeah, I can't believe I had to kill people, or I can't believe I had to survive this way. I can't believe I had to do you know, or this dude kind of just is like, all right, gotta gotta game up. Let's let's fucking get after this. Let's let's figure this out. I, I do really appreciate that. It definitely, uh, at first I thought it was going to be a lot of whining and then that turned around quickly. Uh, so I did really appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. It was, it's one of my loves as well. The perseverance, exactly the same word. Wonderful. There's lots of life lessons in this book. It's almost to me similar to a kid's version of Ted Lasso. You seen Ted Lasso? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was entertaining. It was a great story. There's character development. But at the end of the day, it's just life lessons. I mean, the, the second time he gets knocked down, literally, by that shitty moose we previously talked about. And then a tornado. I don't even know the tornadoes in Canada, but a tornado hit. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to rebuild. I'm not letting this beat me down. Where that's like complete opposite of the first time when he landed, or even earlier when he said that he tried to cut himself, which was like yeah, that was dark. dark. Yeah, pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. But he's basically like, hey, tornadoes and meese, mooses, moose, they don't have shit on me. It's moose eye. Actually, I'm pretty sure, and you know, we'll have to fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure moose is a, a native word and they don't really, in this specific sense, like they don't have like plurals or, or there's no way to pluralize it. So the plural of moose is just moose. So they see like a moose running down the road and they're like, look, it's multi- it's moose. And people are like, shit, a ton of them? And they're like, moose. <laughs> How do they do that? Well, you'd say like, there is a moose over there. Or you'd be like, there's moose over there. What's, what's the difference? <laughs> well, there is a moose being like one moose. But you said they won't have a way to do singular. A is a singular. Well, I think there's like a singular moose. 
Didn't we also do the octopus and octopi? Because people were like, oh, multiple octopuses is octopi, but it's actually octopuses. What? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's octopuses. <laughs> Never say octopi. It's actually octopuses. What else do you have for love? The music and the audiobook. Let's so go. Did you listen to the audiobook? <laughs> did you listen to the audiobook? I sure did. Yeah, I thought it really set the tone. There's a nice touch. They don't do that anymore in, uh, in new audiobooks. I thought it was good. I thought it would have been hilarious, though, if... During the fart attack, uh, when the pilot's dialing, they just started playing like the curb music. Dun, 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 you know, <laughs> just they would have brought some levity to the situation. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you say that because when I listened, so I read the book obviously in sixth grade and I loved it. And listening to this audio book, it was almost like when you know when they'd re-release DVDs and you'd have a movie that you loved and they'd release the DVD and there'd be like special features or deleted scenes. I almost felt that way with this audiobook because one, it's read by Peter Coyote, who, if people are familiar, he does a lot of the voiceovers for Ken Burns documentaries. He's just got a great voice and he's like a natural narrator, so that was great. And then on top mm-hmm. of that, you know, the, the the music I thought was just like a thing I hadn't experienced when I read it, and it's not something I'm playing music in my head. But even Brian talks about measuring time in first days which was a love for me as well just instead of measuring time as years or whatever you know you think about the first meet or the first whatever Mm -hmm. and i think we can take that into our own lives whether it be the first job you have the first kiss the your first wife in this in this book situation but uh you know your first house all that stuff's super important and then when he does the first days there's this like pan flute music that plays in the background that i was like oh god this is such a great audiobook so i just i really enjoyed that as well did you have anything else for love uh no that's pretty much it okay what'd you ever hate we gotta hate something we can't just be we're gushing we're i feel like we're gushing this podcast are we gushing i, I think i'm gonna disappoint you when you, you we come to would you recommend this no all right <laughs> yeah. don't all right well let's not get there yet because i don't want to sign off too early uh, what'd you hate the secret uh, I don't get really what the secret is. It, your mom started an- another relationship and left your dad. That is a secret. That's already revealed. I don't know. What secret is he now now keeping? Well, he's ke- it's only his secret. Like, he saw it, which is fucking weird. If they were still together, then yes, that would be a secret. But however, they're separated. And then at the end of the book, the last, like, the last sentence is he's like, and I never revealed the secret. I never told anyone. The sentence before that is, his mom continued to see the dude from the band that he saw making out. So they're in a relationship already. How is this a secret? I don't, I didn't, didn't get it. That doesn't make any sense. Also, like, they, I think they said, like, making out or something like that. And it was like, how does this kid know the difference between just, like, kissing and, like, he was like, oh, this guy was finger banging my mom in the backseat of a taxi. <laughs> it's like, what, dude? <laughs> Chill out, Brian. Like, you're watching way too much PBS. Like, you've seen some weird yeah. shit. <laughs> He's seen the animals out there in the PBS. So. <laughs> but it's funny that you say that because my hate was the divorce stuff. It just didn't seem necessary to me. It had no effect on the book whatsoever. It just seemed like a way to introduce the like idea of divorce to a young audience. It really had no purpose. I think the purpose was that that was his biggest concern. And that was what made him really upset before crashing and then after crashing that never he didn't even think about it like he, he initially thought about it and then he's like 
I don't, who gives a fuck? I need to survive. Your biggest concern now become not that important when you actually just need to worry about food. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I, I get that. But at the same time, he was like, I never really, afterwards, I just never told my dad or never did this. Where you feel like you'd have some kind of perspective that does that really matter in the long run? And also your mom's kind of a doink. And Your mom's she's <laughs> dating. She's like married to the guy. And she's like, I never told my dad that you yeah. hooked up with this guy. <laughs> Oh, really? Wow, I'm shocked. Yeah, but it's like, would you be like, hey, dad, by the way, like, mom's banging Fabio, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done, nicely done. I just thought it was super repetitive. I know this is a kid's book, and so probably there's something, the way he writes is to, like, for reading comprehension, so you repeat it over and over so the person gets it. But he would just be like, I'm underwater, and then I was underwater, and I'm still underwater, and I'm underwater, I'm like okay like are you underwater though <laughs> it's like, he would just repeat over and over the same thing and just say it three different ways when i first started reading i was like holy shit this book's only four hours he's gonna have to get a lot of story out here but this book could, could have been like two hours <laughs> they just got to the point and didn't repeat things over and over so well, yeah but so could pulp fiction you know be like oh a guy went got a case uh lost uh through a fight and uh picked up his wife and uh shot shot John are you Travolta. comparing the dialogue and pulp fiction to this <laughs> yeah a hundred percent they should have cut out the quarter pounder with cheese yeah. part i mean <laughs> it's a royale that's a royale with cheese in amsterdam I, i'm saying the content was unnecessary because it was repetitive. If they talked about it for an hour about the Royale with cheese, I think it would have been a little bit repetitive. Also, I'm pretty pissed that neither John Travolta or my big boy were talking about ketchup. Who cares about the Royale with cheese? Are you dipping that shit in some Heinz ketchup? Because in Amsterdam, they don't have Heinz. Okay, so potent quotables, like I said, we got rid of this, but when the float plane, like the guy finally lands... And, you know, he sees a signal. He's like, oh, he just thinks it's like someone lost the wilderness. Like it's, you know, probably like a fur trapper whose plane went down or something. Send his satellite up. You know, oh, a guy's been out here a couple of days. He's like, holy shit, you're that 13-year-old kid that, one, he says, like, we stopped looking for a month or two ago. And he's only been out there for 54 days. So, like, did the search just never happen? It was like, we, we stopped looking for you two months ago. He's like, I've been here for 50 days. Like, how did you <laughs> stop looking two months ago? But... Obviously, no one's expecting a 13-year-old to survive in the wilderness. And he lands like, oh, my God, you're that kid. And Brian looks at him, dead ass, goes, would you like something to eat? Like, whoa. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Were you on a one-hour flight and now you're a little hungry? Because I'm thriving out here. I'm not surviving. I am thriving. You want something? I got anything you want. I got some grouse. I got some eggs. You want a little, you know, I could, I could make you a croque monsieur if you want. You know, except for the cheese. I don't know. He wasn't churning any cheese, but boom, he's got it all. So Brian, you're a badass. I appreciate you. Potent quotable. Let's jump into listener mail. What do we have? You've got mail. This is Hans from Frankfurt. Oh, it's a Hans. It's a Hans from Frankfurt. We actually have a lot of uh, of downloads from Frankfurt. I, that's my best German accent, and, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone. I just that's all I got. I just watched Die Hard, so. Oh. Hans Gruber. It's a, it's a good Christmas movie. Yeah. You know? Well, that'll take another half hour if we argue about that. But. <laughs> I'm just getting back into reading. What is your go-to book recommendation for someone that is trying to get back into things? Love the pods. Thanks a lot, Hans from Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah, well, Hans, thank you. Um, well, it's obviously not Hatchet for Keith because he spoiled that he hates this book, which is really frustrating considering I thought we had a really nice conversation about it. But... Uh, <laughs> Bro, just be like everyone else in the world and read Harry Potter. 
sorry, I'm not trying to once again belittle you. I would say don't jump into something like Dune. You have to read every page over and over again, which sometimes you like, sometimes you don't like. I'd read something that's quick, that you know you're going to get through. Yeah. You know, read something that's a few hundred pages. It's really for a young adult audience and it's fun. But it also encourages your imagination because that's what reading is all about. So I would suggest whatever you like. If you like thrillers, read Transfer of Power. That was a really fun book that we read. You know, we love Vinnie Flynn. Check him out. And if you like dystopian stuff, futuristic sci-fi, read Ender's Game. And then go from there. Otherwise, literally, shoot us a message on Instagram and we'd be happy to chat because I love sharing this stuff with people. I mean, that's why we do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you? For sure. I think page turning is the name of the game. You don't want to have some book that you're stuck in the weeds with. I think it's very similar to working out. I'm a lazy piece of shit and I haven't worked out in forever. But if you start out doing the hardest workout, you're sore for the next three days, you're not going to fucking go back, right? So it's the same thing with reading. If you start out with like one of these books that's 30-hour book, it's going to be a slug to get through. So I always recommend something like Harry Potter or other YA books to start as page turners, just because I think that's the easiest things to get into. And then from there, you, once you get your reading brain warmed up, you go into the more challenging one. Considering it's the end of the year, we've done 20 episodes of the Buddy Book Club. I'm proud of us. I did not think we would get this far. Top five, we've read 20 books this year. What were your top five in there? And you can actually check this out at our website, buddybookclub.com, and in the About Us uh, section. But for me, the top five were, and this is just books we read this year, but uh, number five, Dark Matter. Great sci-fi, mind-bender, very original. Number four, Green Lights, nonfiction, but it was a really, really good beach read. I thought it was a great audiobook. Number three, Holes. Holes is probably my hatchet, because Holes was one of the first books outside of Harry Potter that I read that was a kid's book that brought back memories and made me enjoy reading. Two, Transfer of Power, Vinnie Flynn, obviously, my, one of my favorite authors and uh, just overall. Uh, a book that stands on its, itself was my number one was City of Thieves, just because it's a book that stands alone. It's not a series, but I just thought it was amazing venture story. Good overall book. And I like history. I like war. So I thought it was great. Uh, what about you? So I had to go back to our website, buddybookclub.com, to kind of remember these things. I've read 20 to 30 books this year, and they've all been great. But just like anything else, TV shows, you, you forget them until you think about them again. And then when you think about them, you have good memories. And I'm happy to pair those memories with us chatting about them because this has really been one of the highlights of my year. So, so thank you, thank you for this because I'm I'm actually getting a little emotional over here. Oh, let me let, let me let me give praise. <laughs> I can I wouldn't be able to do this because yeah. I can't transition and I can't talk and I can't you know say sentences without writing them down so if i didn't if you weren't doing this i would stop doing it that's yeah, the fact stop I stop, need, we need a host. stop no no keep going keep going, keep going. <laughs> um i'm gonna cut all this shit nobody wants to hear uh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> jesus i was actually mostly surprised that city of thieves was. Your, i looked at the web because i hadn't been to the website i had to review it you have city of thieves ahead of transfer of power which blew my gourd for you because uh, Church of Power is like your number one book. Like that's how we started hanging yeah. out and reading together was, and not like reading together, like toes under the comforter, like touching each other, but just like <laughs> reading at the same time. <laughs> Why is Church of Power behind City of Thieves for you? I don't understand that. If you had to say Vince Flynn books or City of Thieves, I'd take Vince Flynn books every day of the week. It's just that as a one-off, uh, I think City of Thieves, because it's only, it's not a series, it's just a singular gotcha. book. If I had to compare it singularly, 
I think it's, I just thought it was, it's just a really, really good read. Yeah. And there's not many books like City of Thieves. That's true. Yeah. Where I can read 10 different, like, Vinnie Flynn books. They're all amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got you. Well, your rank's off here because, and you're going to have to do some website work, because my five, my number five would be Green Lights, not The Body, which I did love. But we only read one or maybe two nonfiction books and the Matthew McConaughey book was just a fun read. And especially if you're yeah. listening to it, it was a whole nother experience. Green lights, five song of Achilles, nice mythology, epic kind of thing. City of thieves. You've already discussed transfer of power. You've already discussed. These are all great books. And then my number one is Ender's game because that kind of reminded me of my love for reading. And it's, in terms of like fun kids sci-fi just so good Mm -hmm. so so that's ender's game for me and i would suggest that if anyone's listening for the first time or our boy hans out in uh frankfurt or hamburg sorry i I forgot there frank frankfurt yeah check those ones out they're they're super fun and then come and listen to us because hopefully you know you enjoy what you're hearing here into casting the movie really willing to cast brian and like maybe the moose maybe the moose you know we're not getting bullwinkle in here I don't know any child actors, and I feel like there were a ton when we were kids. We're talking JTT, uh, Macaulay Culkin, Haley Joel Osment, Sean Astin, Trevor Morgan from the TV movie Genius, and also played Nathaniel in The Patriot, which we've already discussed. But I'm not sure if we just got old or we're just not in touch with child actors because it seemed like there was a lot, but now there's not. I think there's still a ton of like Disney shows and Disney child actors that if we were watching those shows, then we would obviously. Yeah. But there's no like, obviously home alone. There's no like six cents where like Haley Joel Osment is like, Holy smokes. Who is this guy? Oh yeah. There's no Goonies with Sean Astin. There's no man of the house with JTT. I would say, honestly, there's probably, for adults, there's probably more, what's it called, the show there on Netflix with like the five or six kid actors, Stranger Things. Well, (laughs) nowadays, it's literally just the kids from Stranger Things. So for this movie, for Brian, I'm going to cast Caleb McLaughlin, who plays Lucas in Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think he's of the type in terms of like, decent age range like he could probably play someone 13 but just the right amount nerdy to believe that this guy could survive but at the same time could show enough go get itness or whatever like i don't know what that word is but you know what i mean like could show enough gumption to mm-hmm. survive in this situation so caleb mclaughlin you're my boy let's go i think it would be basically be perfect for a a young version of Shia LaBeouf. Noah Jupe plays him in the the in Honey Boy, which is basically oh, a child I haven't seen that movie, but yeah, I heard that was good. And he's in also a Quiet Place. Um, he's one of the actors in that. So I think I've casted him before. Again, there's only so so many child actors that we know of, but I just figure if he can play a similar character, he could probably do a great job here. And I think it should be someone like that. So. All right, Keith, would you recommend this book? It's not for me. It's not that it's it's bad. I just I'm not really big into nature. I'm not really big into. I'm not a camper. You know, I'm not someone that is in the age group that I want one of my childs to read this. And you know, childs? You mean children? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Children's to read this. Childrens. I, I, hey, when it, where, I don't use plural where I'm from. All right, and moose, meese. I thought it was repetitive. It dragged. It wasn't wasn't up my alley. I mean, I understand why people like it. It's just 
It wasn't it wasn't my my cup of tea, if you will. Well, how dare you? This book was great. If there's any sixth graders out there listening, God, I'm sorry for all the words you heard. And Uncle Keith is a horrible person. He don't believe anything he says. He's, he'll steal your presents from underneath your tree. And I love this book. It's it's like I said, it's Ted Lasso for kids. It's just got like a great message, and it's an interesting story. So if you don't like it, you can join Keith in the Boo Hoo Club. I had no sentimentality for it. That's the thing. That's the problem is now you've got me thinking, am I fogged by sentimentality? Because, I mean, this book won like the Newbery Award. It's the number 25 or something like that best children's book ever written. And the children's book, we're not talking like everybody poops and like, where do I come from? (laughs) We're talking like actual books. So, hey, you read a book called Where Do I Come From? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was a shocker. And unfortunately, the shocker was not disclosed in the in the book itself. But hey, buddy, it's been a phenomenal year reading these books together. To all you guys out there that are listening, the five of you, we really appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, when we started out doing this thing, it was always like it'd be fun to do it and it'd be fun to have people involved and we know you know we've had some responses from people that listen and it's just it's really warmed my heart and and made this a really fun journey so i'm glad to do it with all the octopi out there oh no sorry octopuses yeah but keith it's been real enjoy your holiday indeed you too we'll see you in 2022 we'll see you in 22 we got a lot more to come hopefully either red rising or rock paper scissor is going to be coming out in january probably both of them we'll, we'll start off hot you'll have to tune in to find out how about that there it is all the octopuses out there happy holiday